Act One of The Time Is Not Yet Ripe by Lewis Essen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Time Is Not Yet Ripe A Comedy in Four Acts. Characters Sir Joseph Quiberton, Prime Minister of Australia, read by Algie Pug. Doris, read by Beth Thomas. English Butler, read by Frances Brown. Sir Henry Pillsbury, Attorney General, read by John Smith. Lady Pillsbury, read by Todd. John K. Hill, a Chicago drummer, read by Nick Polka. Sidney Barrett, read by Christine G. Miss Perkins, Secretary, Anti-Socialist League, read by Libby Gaughan. Otto of the Socialist Party, read by Lars Rolander. Harry Hopkins of the Socialist Party, read by Phil Benson. Peter Jensen of the Socialist Party, read by Lars Rolander. Arthur Gray, read by Peter Tucker. Bertie Wainwright, read by Ben Lindsay Clark. Violet Faulkner. B-A-L-L-B Read by Savannah Alday Fat Man Read by Lambda Cheeky Youth Read by Victoria Working Woman Read by Abai An Old Man in the Crowd Read by Robert Dixon Socialists Read and sung by Peter Tucker Socialist Songs Sung by Lars Rolander Narrated by Janet Act One, the Prime Minister's Drawing Room, after dinner. Enter Sir Joseph Quiverton, followed by Doris. Not another word. I refuse to give the matter further consideration. I tell you, Doris, finally, irrevocably. Listen a moment, Father. You haven't finished your coffee. I will not listen. I should have forbidden you to speak. This thing is preposterous, impossible. I know it is difficult for a politician to preserve an open mind. At present I am not a politician. I am your father. Why do you raise these technical points? We will sit down quietly and have a little chat on the subject. Shall I bring in your coffee? No. And I don't want a debate with my own daughter. I am shocked, Doris, and deeply wounded. Wasn't I right to tell you I was engaged? Yes, no, not to a man like that. Never in all my experience have I heard of such a thing. If you have no self-respect, you might at least think of the dignity of my position. Father. Don't answer me. Barrett is a socialist, a revolutionary socialist. That is sufficient. He has a big station in the Riverina, and goodness knows how many sheep. I love sheep. He proposes to confiscate land and capital. Not his own, father. Sidney may be a socialist and an advanced atheist, but he is not a philanthropist. I thank you for the information. It deeply gratifies me to learn that my prospective son-in-law is not only a revolutionary socialist, but also an advanced atheist, a most promising young man, a credit to his country. Father, have I your consent or not? My consent? Never. I mean to fight the next election on this very issue of socialism versus private enterprise. You know I am no Tory. 
I am a progressive man and believe in a policy of progress and reform. Everybody says that before an election. Doris, for the sake of the party, for the sake of the country, for the sake of the empire, for my sake, you must give up this folly. Love is not folly. Plato says that love is the highest wisdom. Plato is wrong. And that's the stuff they want to introduce into the university. Have I no authority left? No, I am the last one to be considered. Now, Doris, children must obey their parents. You are mistaken, father. In the natural cause of evolution, parents must be sacrificed to their children, not children to their parents. It is a law of nature. There is such a thing as a moral law, Doris. No, there isn't, father. That is a popular fallacy. People used to think there was, but there isn't. I have always given you your own way, and this is my reward. Don't you realise that the country is in a critical condition? I want you to understand my aims, my policy. I'm sorry, father, but I don't believe in your policy. What? I would like to, but I can't. You can't? No, father. Once I used to believe in the things you do, but I've got beyond that stage. That is good, very good indeed. I have devoted thirty years of my life to formulating a progressive liberal policy that has won the confidence of the country. And now my own daughter tells me, to my face, that she has got beyond it. What is the world coming to? Sydney says the liberal policy is an anachronism. You must put Sydney out of your thoughts. His influence is immoral. Listen, father. Please don't interrupt me. This is a pretty situation for the leader of a great party. What will the opposition say when it learns that my daughter is engaged to a socialist, a revolutionary socialist? I will retire at once. I will give up public life. My day is past. I won't be made a laughing stock by my unscrupulous opponents. And we are on the eve of an election. The country needs my services. So much to do, so little done. Enter Butler. Sir Henry and Lady Pillsbury. Enter Sir Henry and Lady Pillsbury. Exit Butler. Good evening. Delighted you have come. I would have called before, only I had a touch of neuralgia. My wife enjoys the most extraordinary bad health. Nerves. Strikes always upset me. I loathe paid agitators. They take seats. These salons are sure to have a great educational influence. It is so pleasant to drop in and exchange ideas on the great political problems. The educated classes must be organised to protect their rights. What do you think of the baker's strike, Sir Henry? I can only trust that wise counsels will prevail. Is it going to last forever? One never knows. One never knows. I refuse to use cake on principle. It is encouraging the bakers. I noticed Brett made another inflammatory speech this afternoon. That is a dangerous man. Most dangerous. And he is a Rhodes Scholar, if I remember rightly. That makes his conduct all the more uncalled for. I have never met the young man. Mr. Barrett holds very advanced views, and that unfits him for fashionable society. He may look in tonight. Surely you didn't invite him. I thought it would do him good. How can a squatter be a socialist? 
even if he has been educated at Oxford. I am not a spiritualist, Lady Pillsbury. I do not pretend to explain the supernatural. Sir Henry, airily. We are all socialists nowadays. But Barrett is an extremist, a revolutionary socialist. At the Wagga Wagga Agricultural Show dinner, he said the present land tax was a farce and should be raised to fifteen shillings in the pound. Yes, I know. He is inclined to exaggerate a little. That is not all. He is setting class against class. And where is it going to end? If our squatters adopt such views, what can be expected from the trades unionists? Please don't worry, Father. It is becoming a mannerism. We must convert Mr. Barrett. We must always hope for the best. Sir Joseph, ready for long speech. The situation is grave. Great issues are at stake. What do we see around us? Unrest and discontent. We are standing, as it were, at the parting of the ways. Doris, breaking in. Bridge or music? You might play something, dear. A little American piece. I have a slight headache. I'm so sorry. The ladies rise. It is always a strain listening to intellectual conversation. Exuant Doris and Lady Pillsbury. How is Lady Pillsbury keeping now? Much better, thanks. She complains only about half her time. That Barrett is a violent young man. Indeed he is. I heard a rumour he was going to stand for Parliament. What? How? Why? It was only a rumour. Standing for Parliament? Oh, well, nothing surprises me now. Enter Butler. Enter John K. Hill. Mr. John K. Hill. Exit Butler. Sir Henry Pillsbury, our Attorney General, Mr. Hill. Mr. Hill is an ambassador of commerce. No, sir. I am a plain man of figures. And a maker of nations. I just financed that little revolution in Uruguay. There usually seems to be trouble in that part of the world. And there will be trouble here, too, if the socialists have their way. This country is on the eve of changes, Mr. Hill. Startling changes. You don't say. We are moving too fast. Well, I wouldn't have guessed that now. I am only a visitor. But I was kept waiting in a hat store yesterday afternoon, close on one minute and a half before the young man behind the counter woke up. The new unionism? Australia is an extraordinary country. This is a holiday trip, I presume? No, sir, I never take holidays. I have certain propositions to consider. Your Northern Territory interests me. It is virgin soil. I am a missionary, a missionary traveler. I represent the little Chicago syndicate that wants scope for investment. But I can't advise it to shovel money into a new country without certain concessions. Do you propose to establish industries, Mr. Hill? Yes, sir. That is my business. I want to develop this country, bring it up to time, Americanize it. It has golden possibilities. Take your beche de mer, regarded by epicures as superior to turtle. Why, it's a beet. It's just crying out to be canned. All we want is freezing works and cheap labor, and no public banquet will be complete without it. 
all fisheries have so far been somewhat neglected and there's your forests of cypress pine wonderful forests absolutely going to waste most valuable timber sir put to its legitimate use specially adapted for making chinese coffins they use up quite a number over there in china ten thousand a day i have the exact figures unlimited market easy transit to hong kong revolution is china's long suit nowadays and it's me to deliver the goods i'm going to bring death within the reach of all this country can develop only with the aid of capital capital is as necessary as labor one is the complement of the other that's so but if your socialist party gains a majority won't it pass antitrust legislation it is difficult to say what it would not do and nationalize the chinese coffin monopoly and the canned slug monopoly you can rely on the government mr hill to assist you in every way thanks sir joseph we'll stand or fall together enter doris how do you do mr hill and i are old friends i'm honored miss quiverton and what do you think of australia now you have lots of space i guess our sheep require it our population is mostly sheep you forget mr hill has not yet seen the country i hope you will not be disappointed australia is still uncultivated nature our scenery of course is not so smooth and highly finished as the english but we can hardly expect that in such a young country will you make one for a small game lady pillsbury is devoted to bridge Excellent sir henry and sir joseph we are all keenly interested in politics it's the latest thing there is a salon almost every week as an american it's almost fascinating to me enter sydney barrett as doris shows john k hill into card room and returns barrett advances oh sid what strange garments i am a man of the people how did you get in by what you call a tradesman entrance but doris you are making yourself positively ridiculous i i told father was he pleased pleased he went off i am glad of that he so seldom does goes to kiss her wait till i shut the door i can only give you a few minutes alone shuts card room door and returns barrett embraces her doris with head on his shoulder oh sydney this is all i want no more puts him away sit down now doris takes seat do you admire me immensely i do you are quite perfect but doris but what you are still wearing jewellery one can express oneself in jewellery did i not tell you to discard those pearls three times have you never thought of the cylon diver who held his breath and went all naked to the hungry shark does he mind you said once you would feel transcendently happy if i permitted you to die for me so i would in a romantic mood but doris it is time we had a definite understanding you must give up your jewellery and bridge and salons and other forms of fashionable frivolity does socialism mean that of course it does i am not a socialist then i don't believe in it you are pursuing an illusionary existence it must end i wish sid you wouldn't try to reform me it would be much better for us both if i reform you listen doris you must do as i tell you you are getting as bad as father what an atmosphere bridge and bad politics sydney here i am after four years absence returned to my native land full of fine enthusiasm 
to find the country stagnant, decadent, and the young Australian, with his bright, fresh mind, untrammelled by the traditions of the past, that is the current phrase, repeating all the popular superstitions, from bear to bishops, of his fog-bound ancestors. Australia is an outer suburb of Brixton. That explains its amazing school of architecture. That explains everything. We are unoriginal, therefore uninteresting. We can't help that, can we? We prate of progress and what is Australia's chief's contribution to civilization? Frozen mutton and the losing hazard. Can you wonder that I am dissatisfied? You always are. Every country must have a national ideal. Even England has a national ideal. Good form. We have nothing, absolutely nothing. Australia is an empty country. We produce wool and cricketers and factory butter and legislative councillors, but we do not produce ideas. Why, the national intelligence has not yet invented one new drink. Things can't go on like this. But where are our leaders? Look at your worthy father. He certainly seems troubled about many things, but he goes on uttering empty phrases, meaning nothing, suggesting nothing. Yes, I know, father is very tiresome. But what are you proposing to do? Everything. I propose change, disorder, revolution. We will have to make a fresh start. I attended the Socialist Congress tonight. That explains your behaviour. We had a stormy meeting. I was accused of being an intellectual. There was nearly a split in the party. That shows how earnest we are. We are going to do things. You must give up this empty life, Doris. Don't dare me, Sydney. I might do something rash. I have no fear. You are not in revolt. Don't tempt me to prove you are wrong. You don't realise my position. I haven't told you my plans yet. I have something most important to tell you. I decided tonight. Enter Miss Perkins. Great Caesar. Who is that? Miss Perkins. I'm off. I'll tell you my secret later. Mr. Barrett, Miss Perkins. Miss Perkins is the energetic secretary of the Women's Anti-Socialist League. Please sit down. Miss Perkins takes chair. I have hurried round from the League. The business was most important. Barrett escaping. Pray, don't let me disturb you. Exit Barrett. Doris, tired and languid. Was it a pleasant evening? We had a prolonged discussion. You must help us, Miss Quiverton. I shall be delighted. I don't know what the country is coming to. The domestic helps have formed a union. I prefer men-servants. They're more docile. They will demand a day at home next. You must assist us, Miss Quiverton. Certainly. You promise to stand by the League. I shall promise anything with pleasure. Enter Lady Pillsbury. We have decided on a most momentous step. How are you, Miss Perkins? Well, I thank you. How are you? We have decided. Bridge is too exciting. Heart, Mr. Barrett has arrived. He is wearing a red tie. Miss Perkins, going ahead. The matter was exhaustively discussed by all our ablest speakers. We came to the conclusion that there was only one way to save the country. And what might that be? Women must take their place in the political arena. You are quite right, Miss Perkins. We have been kept down for centuries by a man-made law. But 
we are quite capable of directing the destiny of a great nation all we need is more opportunity to display our ability that is why i never allow my husband to make up his mind on any public question till he has first consulted me i have an important announcement to make may i see sir joseph doris going to door father miss perkins has an important communication to deliver enter sir joseph and sir henry followed later by john k hill and sydney barrett the committee of the league held its fortnightly meeting this evening mrs jasper jones occupying the chair after a short debate it was decided that it was the duty of every lady in the land to take an active and intelligent interest in the coming elections the time has arrived when women's refining influence should extend over a wider sphere i incline to that view myself but we must not go too far we must go far enough sir henry to reach a logical conclusion the country is in a dreadful condition men have not the requisite knowledge to deal adequately with the problem of social reform that is women's special province the morality of the nation is in our keeping shall we forsake our trust no certainly not i am glad we agree on that point certain names were forwarded for our approval but after due consideration we came to the conclusion that there was not one man whom we could conscientiously support the league decided that the women of this electorate must be represented by a woman applause it is difficult to decide on any definite line of action therefore in the best interests of the country i have been requested to ask miss quiverton to stand for parliament mild sensation me the proposal was carried by acclamation and with only one dissentient voice loud applause but i don't understand politics it is not a question of mere politics it is a question of morality of course that makes a considerable difference all the difference my dear but please tell me how i can promote the morality of the nation i should be only too delighted by defeating the socialist candidate what constituency has been selected for miss quiverton wombat wombat that doesn't sound particularly moral oh yes it is only the name of a local bird there is no time for hesitation to-morrow is the last day for nominations the socialists are selecting their candidate to-night will you give me a few moments to think it over do try to persuade miss quiverton to save the country it is a most anxious time for us all doris is surrounded it is your duty my dear to protect our rights i would overcome my natural feelings of modesty and contest the seat myself only my uncertain health could not endure the strain of an election i opposed votes for women when the subject was first broached but i have been converted to the opinion that women have every right to take their place in our legislatures i converted my husband to that opinion i do not wish to advise you in any way but i may say that the situation is grave very grave we have reached a crisis what is your advice mr hill do you think as an american that it is wrong for women to take part in political agitation well miss quiverton it is a very delicate subject i know good american citizens negotiating dangerous propositions 
in order that their elegant wives and daughters might stroll through Rome and Florence, with a calm expression on their face, and the beauties of Ruskin under their arm, tracing the influence of Leonardo on Perugino. That, Miss Quiverton, is the American ideal. How chaste and beautiful! We couldn't trust our husbands to that extent. Now, Mr. Hill, would you be very shocked if I went into Parliament? On the contrary, Miss Quiverton. I would leave home at once to live in any country that had the honour of being governed by you. Doris, bringing him forward. Mr. Barrett, as my father observed, we are standing at the parting of the ways. That is the usual position of a politician. You have extraordinary personal popularity, Miss Quiverton. You will gain a large sympathetic masculine vote. But— Oh, you must, you must really. It is a patriotic duty. Think of the state of the country. What do you think of the state of the country, Mr. Barrett? Barrett, affably. Socialism is still spreading, you know. You see, Miss Quiverton, Mr. Barrett agrees with me. I am glad Mr. Barrett agrees with somebody. What are we going to do, then? We must do something, I suppose. You will have a strong committee to help you. Thanks very much. I shall attend to all the secretarial work. But— That will be all right, Miss Quiverton. Leave that entirely to me. Is it state or federal? Federal. Excuse me, are you arranging a sale of gifts? This is not a bazaar. I have been asked to stand for Parliament. As a syndicalist, I presume? I really couldn't say. What is our policy, Miss Perkins? Social reform. I thought so. We are going to reform society. You believe in that, I hope. Purity of the home is our guiding principle. The League has drawn up a complete manifesto. What is the funny name of the constituency? Wombat. Wombat. It is a most respectable district. I trust so, for, curiously enough, I myself am standing for this eminently respectable district of Wombat. Sensation. Are you? Why didn't you tell me before? I was trying to. Oh, that was your great secret. Miss Quiverton is the good woman candidate. And I am the bad man candidate. That is only a personal distinction. Have you any policy? I have, but it is not so daring as yours. My policy does not propose in any way to vaccinate the community against a complaint called joy. Its tendency, indeed, is distinctly immoral. Shame. If you have no moral feelings, you might at least have the decency to... Excuse me, Sir Joseph. I have no desire to listen to your opinions. I prefer to give you mine. There are ladies present. Barrett, pleasantly. I occupy the soapbox. You say socialism will destroy the purity of the home. Of course it will. That will be one of the chief glories of socialism. To the devil with the purity of the home. Purity is a disease. And a suburban home is a horror up and away to the woods i am surprised to hear a young man be calm sir henry there is no necessity for heated argument it is our intention simply to overthrow the present form of bourgeois society silence ladies and gentlemen i beg to inform you that a reign of terror is at hand but what can you expect i am standing you see, in the interests of revolutionary socialism. Who will vote for you? You won't get in. 
but I shall take it as a personal matter if any here present may have the effrontery to cast one such worthless vote in my favour. Leave my house, sir. A new era begins tomorrow. Beware. Yours for the revolution. Exit Barrett. Uproar and babble. Now you see our danger. Disgraceful. This is anarchy. Who would have believed it? Doris, to various people. If you really wish it. Quite a pleasure, I assure you. Miss Perkins, voice rising above din. Our first committee meeting tomorrow afternoon, three sharp. General confusion. End of Act One.